Hi, I'm Natalie from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm Zach from Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, I'm Kent from Denver. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like me. If you'd like to support the show like I did, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. I'm Jesse Thorne. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, it's The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. It's The Sound of Young America. I'm Jordan Morris, in for Jesse Thorne. Before my interview with Paul Shear, here's a clip from his Adult Swim police procedural parody, NTSF SDSUV. Shear's character, Trent Hauser, receives a menacing phone call from an anonymous caller. But it's all in a day's work. Hello? Hmm, Trent Hauser. Looks like you're the hero. I'm not the hero. Celebrities are the real heroes. Maybe you do your job too well. Who the hell is this? Remember what happened five years ago today? Yeah, cut out dairy. Best decision I've ever made. No, that's... That's not it. You left me for dead. You gotta be more specific, pal. I've left hundreds of people for dead. How's this for specificity? I've got your kids, and I'm at the old abandoned sugar mill. If you don't bring me a million dollars, I'm gonna kill them and everyone else in San Diego. That's pretty specific. This is The Sound of Young America. My name is Jordan Morris. Our guest today is the actor and writer Paul Shear. He's been seen on TV in shows like 30 Rock, The League, and the cult classic sketch show Human Giant. He's been seen in movies like Piranha 3D and its forthcoming sequel, Piranha 3 Double D. He's the star and creator of the new Adult Swim series, NTSF SDSUV, which airs on that network Thursdays at 12.15. Paul, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. So, Paul, uh, the last time you were on this show, Mm -hmm. uh, you were promoting uh, your sketch show, Human Giant. Yes. Oh, wow. A while ago. That was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. And Human Giant kind of had modest beginnings. You were doing it out of the UCB Theater in New York, which is Mm -hmm. a well-respected but small comedy theater. Sure. Uh, You were kind of making internet videos. Um, And then you made this show, which was uh, a, a cult and kind of critical favorite, um, what was life like for Paul Shear, working actor, after that show ended? You know, it's interesting because that show really caught on with a lot of different people, but it wasn't. There was no life changing moment, really. Yeah. We one of the common misconceptions about the show and it uh, is that we kind of pulled the plug on it. Huh? Uh, we were offered a third season, and Aziz at the same time was offered a part on Parks and Recreation, mm-hmm. and. We were kind of weighing the options of rushing through a season because it would take us so long to kind of do a, a season of sketches. We shot 90 sketches in our second season. And, you know, so writing all those, shooting them, and then we discarded like 30 sketches, hmm. you know. So I think the biggest change was having a lot of free time after the show was over. And... uh and then finding that the show actually got a lot of love. People saw the show. That was a really fun thing. Was that something you weren't aware of until the show went off the air? You know, I felt like we knew, like, in the East Village and, you know, and, and in certain sections of Hollywood that people cer- had liked the show. At certain microbreweries, yes. they <laughs> loved the show. <laughs> where people are making their own beers. Yeah. People really liked the show. Yeah, no. In places where urban beekeeping is a hobby. <laughs> you know, I think one of the coolest things that we were finding uh, was... We'd be at a party and someone would be like, oh, you know, 
Vince Gilligan, who got, the guy who created uh, Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. he, he loves Human Giant. He plays lunatics for all of his new writers. <laughs> and we're like, what? That's amazing. And so it's kind of meeting up with people that we really admired and thought were great and funny and then kind of interacting with them. And, and that, I think that was a really fulfilling thing. In space, no one can hear you scream. Until now, live from the moon, it's Lunatic, sponsored by Quizzone. Each week, real astronauts kidnap civilians and hunt them down on the moon until they all die. Featuring g uh, I'm a big watcher of The League, and it's really interesting that it was the thing you did after Human Giant, because Human Giant is is really big and silly and absurd and is kind of this you know, filter for pop culture. And The League is kind of a small show about characters and mannerisms. I mean, it is pretty outrageous uh, at times, but it is a more, it's a show about the real world. Um, Yeah. Did it seem really different to you going into this? You know, uh, I come from an improv background. I started with the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater Mm -hmm. in New York, like you said, and and I do shows out here in LA. So the improv part of it was really familiar to me because the show is, uh, improvise the same way Curb Your Enthusiasm is. There's like a, about a 12-page outline that's really heavily, you know, filled with jokes and ideas. And then we got to the scene and, and it becomes whatever you want. So we work with a really cool cast. And, you know, Mark Duplass, who uh, is kind of very big in the independent film world, he did a film called The Puffy Chair and uh, Cyrus with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, then we had Steve Ranazizi, who was more of a, a stand-up. John Lajoie, who is this guitar-playing comedian from Canada who was a former soap opera star. Then Nick Kroll, who has the same kind of background as I do. Uh, Katie Aselton, who also comes from the independent film world. So we all kind of mixed together in a really interesting way. It was like we all had very different backgrounds, but when we came together, it kind of it worked, and it was more fun. I mean, to me, I love doing like big, broad sketch comedy yeah. stuff, but I think there's something really more fulfilling that when it's, when it's real. Now seems like a good time to hear a clip from The League. Paul Shear plays Andre, who's had a confusing encounter at his high school reunion. Now he's double-checking the picture and bio he submitted about his post-high school days. But it has a new addition, courtesy of his friend Kevin. Hey, Andre, how are you? Oh, Tracy, right? Yeah, Tracy. Oh, my God. Hi. Wow, you look great. Thank you very much. You look yeah, fantastic. I'm so sorry to hear about what happened. I, it was really horrible. I'm really sorry. But other than that, you look amazing. Well, uh, yeah, yeah you, you done, do right? too. Yeah. Cool. What? Hi. Hey. Hi. Hi. What was that? Other than that, you look amazing. What does that mean? What was she Other talking about? about? That Maybe was the vest, wasn't it? Maybe she's talking about the vest. And the vest works. Have you seen Mark Harmon on NCIS lately? It works. Oh, okay. Here it is. All right, here I am. Okay. Oh, no, hey, this is fine. Yeah, Andre Nozick, look at that, right? See? Yeah, it looks great. Still a fashion sense back then. Uh-huh. My quote's in here. Wait. No. What? I was sack-tapped so hard that my left testicle was damaged... Had to be removed? I'm so sorry. I didn't know that happened. In fact, I had a nudicle inserted in its place like nothing ever happened. What's a nudicle? Oh, it's a fake testicle. <laughs> that you put in dogs. Well, some dogs. Well, I, mean, I guess. Did you do this? Andre, I promise, in the history of our relationship, this is the first time I'm not lying to you. Did you do this? Yes. Yes, I did. Why? Um, so your, your character on The League, Andre, yeah. I would say that maybe his defining characteristic is... Uh, kind of a sounding board for all modern bad fashion. <laughs> so anything that Andre is wearing, you can imagine douchebags around the country also wearing it. Yeah, I have the worst 
wardrobe in history. I have, you know, flat brimmed caps that say royalty on it, <laughs> you know, tie dye cut off shorts, uh, Ed Hardy sneakers, uh, you know, uh, fur covered vests. And, uh, you know, and, and the thing about this character is, is he is a guy who was picked on his whole kind of life. And yeah. now he is technically successful, but still the nerd that he always was. So I think it's funny justifying himself and being cool. You know, you'll never be cool, you know, uh, even though you can dress like cool, you know, I, I guess. When like, you were when you were starting the show, did those flat-brimmed caps and tech vests help you find the character? Oh, yeah. You know, it was very collaborative early on because I sat down with Jeff and Jackie and we talked about the character and what he would do and, and, uh, and it, it gr- has grown. Yeah. And so, like, this season when I was putting on all the new wardrobe, I just went in for costume fitting a couple weeks ago and... And I was like, oh, no, this, this is, I need to wear these jean shorts. These are great. <laughs> so now I feel like I have a very clear idea, whereas before it was like it was bad. And uh, the way I always, they would always describe it as like he went into a store, saw a mannequin, and bought whatever was on that mannequin. Sure, and just wears the outfit. Exactly. And in my mind, I'm always like I've seen someone on TV – and I'm copying it. So if I saw Terrence Howard, if Andre saw Terrence Howard, he was like, I'm going to dress like that. <laughs> Knowing that that would never kind of cross over in the right way. The Sound of Young America is supported in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered. Online at ask.metafilter.com. And by VG Kids, printers of t-shirts and other merchandise for touring bands, radio stations, websites, festivals, derby girls, record labels, national brands, and all the rabble-rousers, hackers, and entrepreneurs in between. Online at VGKids.com. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jordan Morris, in for Jesse Thorne. My guest is Paul Shear, who created and stars in the police procedural parody NTSF SDSUV. In this clip, his character, Agent Trent Hauser, comes across a boy and his mother arguing in the park and takes the moment as an opportunity to explain how to spot a terrorist. That's it. We're going home. But, Mom, that's not fair. Hold it right there. Special Agent Trent Hauser from NTSF SDSUV? That's right. Are you here to tell my son to listen to his mother? No. I'm here to tell your son that his mother might be a terrorist. What? Yeah. Did you know that every terrorist is also a parent? They are? That doesn't sound right. If you even suspect your parent of being a terrorist, you don't have to listen to him. But how will I know? Does she always make you do things you don't want to do? Yep. Does she act weird all the time? Definitely. Even when you know you're right, does she not listen to you? All the time. Well, it sounds like your mother is a grade-A terrorist. Time for you to call 911 and report her. Hello? 911? Oh, and by the way, tell you found this manifesto and this explosive in her car. Now you are doing NTSF. Yes. SD. Yes. SUV. Yes. For the duration of this interview, is there another way I can refer to this show? You can just call it NTSF. Okay. But if you refer to it in the full, NTSF, SDSUV, colon, colon, just so the audience at home listening would know that we have not only the most acronyms of any police (laughs) procedural on TV, but we also have the most colons. Congratulations. Yeah, it's a very important distinction for us to make because, uh, you know, there's a lot of shows out there. The CSI Miami's one colon. You know, wow. the, uh, you know, and NCIS LA, one colon. We have four colons. Is there a colon count, Emmy? 
I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm really hoping. Uh, I would like to take a full page ad at Variety <laughs> to announce that we have the most colons in cable. <laughs> now, uh, this show, and I guess I should say that uh, this stands for National Terrorism Strike Force. Yes. San Diego Sport Utility Vehicle. Exactly, yes. So this show is a parody, as you said, of procedurals. Uh, yeah. CSI, NCIS, Law & Order, SVU. Yes. Um, <laughs> were you into these shows before you decided to parody them? You know... I am. I'm a huge, like, just action movie junkie. I love 24. I love Hawaii Five O. Hawaii Five O to me <laughs> is the best. This is the Hawaii Five O reboot you're yes, talking about. Yes, okay. not the Jack Lord one. This is the one with uh, one of the cons, Scott Con, sure, and the guy from Lost, Daniel Day Kim. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a show is amazing because they'll have a scene where the character is like surfing. And then in the next scene, they shoot somebody, run over to them, and then put their own fingers in that bad guy's bullet hole. It's like, tell me the information. It's like, whoa, you were just boogie boarding five <laughs> seconds ago. I love it. Like, I just love how immediately dark these shows get. And, the, you know, Jack Bauer would do the same thing, like, you know, stabbing someone in the gut to pull out microfilm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so as I kind of got going down the rabbit hole of all these procedurals, I was like, wow, this is, this world is crazy. I just saw the season premiere of CSI, the new one coming up in September, starts off, and this is totally true, I'm not making this up, a man falls into a vat of chocolate and becomes a chocolate man. <laughs> what? Yes. No. Are you sure that's not just an old Scooby-Doo episode? I know. There's a CSI Miami where David Caruso goes to outer space to solve a murder. And, and is v- so loosely uh, – basically, here's the premise. A, a Richard Branson-esque character sure. murders someone on a spaceship. And then David Caruso <laughs> needs to get on his spaceship to go up and check <laughs> out – Why does Bullet he have and, a spaceship? Well, I think he may have borrowed somebody. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's Miami. You sure, know, so right? there's a lot yeah. of spaceships Sexy going Sexy spaceships. They go up and he has to check bullet trajectory in zero-G gravity. I'm like – and so when I started to see that, I was like, oh, my god. How has no one parodied these shows? I mean, of course, there were amazing shows back in the day like Sledgehammer or Police Squad, but no one is doing this like kind of sexy show. You know, all these shows have way too many lights, uh, you know, in their offices, you know, blue lights, red lights. And uh, and so, yeah, we're just having a lot of fun kind of mimicking those shows. Yeah. You know, something I noticed from an episode that I was watching, um, a character uh, played by the the very, very funny uh, L.A. comedian Brandon Johnson yeah. um, is making a phone call, a phone call that is of import to the plot. Yeah. And he's holding his cell phone at a weird, like, 70-degree angle, like the 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 ear end of the cell phone yeah. is touching his earlobe, and he's holding the mouth end ridiculously far away from his mouth and he has this conversation with the cell phone in this weird way and then without saying goodbye he hangs up on the person that's giving him the information yes and you cut to the person on the other line being offended um and i haven't watched these shows that much but that struck me as just a dead-on parody of something that would happen in one of those shows yeah you know we, we what we try to do is address it from a point of parody so there's like okay I understand the world that this takes place in. And then for people who aren't familiar with those shows, we're just trying to make the characters kind of exist in their own world. It's just an action show. It's a 15-minute comedy action show. And we have – you know, we'll throw in moments of parody. But we found very early on, like, we can't just exist purely in parody because 
it, we didn't want it. We, we felt it would be limiting and, and kind of following the example of Children's Hospital, which uh, precedes us on mm-hmm. Adult Swim. It's sort of like, let's take this genre and, and have fun with it. Uh, we also have um, just amazing guest stars. Like we had Ed Helms on the show yeah. and J.K. Simmons, who does a procedural himself, you know? Yeah, it is interesting that you kind of the, – the casting of the show is really, really cool and that it's, it's, it's two things. It's a rogues gallery of alternative comedians. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Johnson, Carrie Kenny, uh, June Diane Raphael, yes, uh, all very very funny. But then you also have these kind of heavy serious actors. Uh, how are they? And also Lorenzo Lamas yeah. is also there. <laughs> uh, how do they? How do these people who don't come from that comedy improv sketch background? How do they take to the tone? Well, you know, the prime example of that is like Kate Mulgrew, who is uh, the she was the captain on Star Trek Voyager, the first female Star Trek sure. captain and you know you know she's got a very distinctive voice and she talks you know very serious she's an Obie award winning theater actress <laughs> and when we were trying to figure out who could play like the captain of NTSF like, we needed we needed to be tough and cool and and Curtis Gwynn who's one of the uh, producers on the show he's like Kate Mulgrew and I was like oh my god great idea Will she ever do it? She's wearing an eye patch. She's smoking <laughs> pipes. And she's having random sex with young men uh, throughout the series. And we sent her the scripts. And she was like, I'm in. I'll do it. And she got it. She just really just took to it. And, you know, she approaches it like she's doing an hour-long show. And the same thing for J.K. Simmons. Like, you watch J.K. Simmons. He's not doing anything different than you would see him on The Closer. And and we're trying not very hard to do it the same way. We're trying to not wink at the camera and, and play it as straight as we can. But it's, it's been really fun. I mean, one of my highlights was getting Jeff Goldblum to come on the show and play this German, um, German villain. And basically, his villain's uh, greatest accomplishment is he's always able to commit a crime right on the border of wherever he's at. <laughs> so he can commit it and then walk across and be like, oh, you can't arrest me. I am, I am on sure. the other side of the line. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, so it's been great to kind of work with these people, and, and I find a lot of these dramatic actors want to, to kind of do comedy, and so that was really cool. So uh, NTSF, yes, it comes out of this love of schlocky television. Yeah, um, you have a podcast called "How Did This Get Made?" Mm-hmm. that is based on a love of schlocky movies. Yeah, um, and in this podcast, you and the aforementioned June Diane Raphael, who and- is my wife, uh, just sure. for for. Uh, for I don't know, not clarity or or just to be on the level with full disclosure, like, full disclosure, full disclosure. Yeah, um, and Jason Manzukis from the League. Yes, and a uh, a who's who of celebrity guests. Yeah, we have a lot of people come <clears> in. <throat> I mean, I, I think you know you said schlocky, and I I will say that I actually do have a genuine love for all these things, and like so in a, in a sense, like yes, I know twenty four is ridiculous. I know Hawaii Five O is out there, but I I do appreciate them and and like them and how did this get made is the same idea like i love watching a good bad movie case in point old dogs with robin williams and (laughs) and john travolta about two dads who have to babysit their twins their twin kids that they had on a one night stand it's amazing um and so we just kind of get around and 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 kind of revel in and talking about these uh yeah they're quote-unquote bad movies but you know we don't come at it from this like aggressive like that was dumb. This script was bad. Like, we try to at least embrace, 
I don't know, embrace the the fun of it a, a little bit more than being uh, ultra critical. So, yeah, yeah, I think you probably have an eternal past having appeared in Piranha 3D. Yes. Which is an amazingly fun bad Thank movie. You. Yeah, exactly. Like Piranha 3D is a perfect example of a movie that's like, hey, of how, what? How did you know? What is happening? To say that, some things that happen in Piranha 3D, there is a nude underwater ballet, ballet that lasts for a very long time, and it's full full nudity uh, yes. between a porn star and a British uh, busty model. Mm-hmm. There is a page uh, three girl. Yes, a page three girl. There is um, numerous Piranha evis- eviscerations that go beyond. Gore. I mean, there's one scene where a guy is driving a motorboat to escape a piranha attack and just running over like dozens of uh, college children. Show- yeah, yeah, children just bashing their heads open. Um, yeah, so there is a – yeah, it is a crazy, crazy movie. I, I mean, and again, I love it. Like Adam Scott and I just did a, like a commentary track out here in L.A., like a live commentary track of it. And it's sort of like – it's a fu- – I mean, I love I – love, I love that kind of stuff. I think that there should be more of those kind of movies, you know? Is there anything that you're saving for maybe a special time? Are there any terrible movies that you haven't discussed yet that maybe seem like too high a mountain to climb just now? You know, uh, there's a, to, to me, there's a common one that everyone's like, you got to do The Room or you got to do Troll sure. 2. And I don't find those as interesting as movies that are supposed to be like a, a four-quadrant movie, which is like a Hollywood term for a movie that appeals to older people, younger people, men, women, because there's so much money behind those movies. <laughs> and I think I, – so I really like a nice failed attempt with a studio behind it. Like a studio really was like, we're trying. <laughs> sure. Um, and um, do you think it's this – you mentioned this kind of concept of the four-quadrant movie, yeah. the movie that is supposed to just – be a blockbuster because everybody goes. Do you think it's that kind of thinking that leads to these spectacular train wrecks? I have a feeling, just because of my, my interaction in the business <laughs> or whatever. But I will say for the listener at home, Paul made air quotes. I did indeed. Um, you can tell how these movies get messed up because everyone wants to put their fingerprints on something bigger. Like They want to put a poster on their wall to be like, I made that one. And I think that... When you have all these people giving notes and adding things and taking away things and giving you a lot of money, I think the worst thing you can kind of have sometimes is a giant budget. Speaking as someone who's never had a giant budget. <laughs> but uh, you know, when I watch a movie like Attack the Block, I'm like, wow, which it's an amazing alien movie. It's kind of like Goonies. It's kind of like every summer movie, like what you want them to be, but they never are. And I, and I think that sometimes the bigger things are, the more diluted they get because everyone's adding their two cents. And that to me is what makes it so like, wait, whoa, wait, whoa, why is he now in an old timey horse carriage? What's going on? Like, why is time travel involved? Paul Shear, thank you so much for being on The Sound of Young America. Thank you so much for having me. Your television program, NTSF, SD, SUV, National Terrorism Strike Force, San Diego, Sport Utility Vehicle, four colons in there. Yes. uh, Airs Thursday nights at 12.15 on the Adult Swim Television Network. Uh, Your television program, The League, uh, seasons one and two are out on DVD. I should say season one is out on DVD. They're both available on Hulu and on Netflix and... 
And uh, season three is forthcoming. Yes, October 6th, 1030, with uh, special guest Seth Rogen playing the part of Dirty Randy, a character that was only mentioned once in an episode, but fan reaction to it on Facebook was so overwhelming <laughs> that we needed to introduce him into the show. <laughs> well, uh, Paul, it's been a damn pleasure talking <laughs> to you. Really great. Thank you. That's it from the Sound of Young America this week. I've been your host, Jordan Morris. You can catch me on MaximumFun.org's comedy chat goof-around podcast, Jordan Jesse Go. Our producer is Julia Smith. Our editor is Nick White. Our intern is Paolo Balboa. Our music is by Dan Wally. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org, where you can find past episodes of this show, as well as several other programs, such as Jordan Jesse Go, Judge John Hodgman, and Stop Podcasting Yourself. I'm Jordan Morris, and it's been a damn pleasure. See you later, fancy pants.